Morning, church. We in good form this today? Yes. Wow, this looks great, doesn't it? New carpet. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, we've been here since Thursday, and it's just, it's like coming home, really. <laughs> you know, we've, we've been here for four years, and it's, we, yeah, we have such a great relationship with so many of you. And it's just amazing to come and share this morning. Um, are you excited, yeah, to be in the house? Okay, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, great to sit next to you this morning. Yeah, that's good. Okay, very good. Fantastic. Well, we've got a new lectern as well. Come on, this can only go great this morning. Well, I've got something on my heart that I would like to share with you this morning. But before I do that, I would like to give honor where honor belongs and just honor your pastors, Dave and Julia. I think it's amazing who they are and what they do. They allow us to thrive. Um, so whether you're new to the church or if you've been coming for many decades, I think it's really important to encourage and support your pastors, you know, who are moving forward, who are trusting God to, to lead the church into the next season. And because of they, their life and their work, people like us can, and can thrive in, in cities where there's not a lot of thriving going on. And so we just want to really appreciate, you know, Dave and Julia and the elders for just supporting us in getting this church off the ground and, uh, you know, just, just working hard to, to see people come to know Jesus because that's what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> and that's why we gather, that's why we build church. Uh, and I just want to share this morning about the church because I think it's, it's such a great place. Church is amazing, isn't it? It's just, it is, yeah, hilarious sometimes, you know, people coming together who would never meet maybe probably on, a, on, on any other occasion. But I think it's, it's just something that is so unique in our, in our day and age today. Um, you know, you can be 95 and you can lead a life group, or you can be 15 and you can lead a life group. Where else can you do that? You know, there's no company or, or no other, you know, group where this can actually happen, but it can happen in the church. And I would like to share this morning about the church. So, greetings from Cologne. You know, if you ever are close to Germany, you've got family in Cologne. Um, that prays for this church as well. So we would love to see a few of you. The team came over a couple of weeks ago. It's great to keep that connection. We love what is happening here. And um, yeah, we just really hope that this goes on in the future. Um, I would like to just share a, um, a message this morning. And I really felt when I was preparing, I prepared a different message. And then I just felt something that God was putting on my heart. And it's just a sentence. And I just want to preach this morning from that sentence that I felt Maybe God is saying to you this morning as, as part of Derby City Church. But I just think the one thing that Jesus said that he would do when he would leave this earth is to build his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think that is so such an important statement because it's his church and he is building his church in all over, in, in, in so many different countries. God is building his church in China. God is building his church in India, in South America in Derby, in Cologne. And I think it's so exciting that God is building his church. That's his primary focus of what he's doing. He's building his church in so many different places. And this morning, I would just like to talk about that because everything else will pass away. Governments will come and go. Companies will come and go. You know, big companies that we thought would never go bankrupt, they went bankrupt, you know, like... I don't know, Woolworth or the Lehman Brothers or other, other places, you know, they, they, they come and they go. But the church remains because Jesus is building it. And so I want to just share with you 
um, a sentence that I've just had on my heart. And it starts like this. We need a vision. We need a vision. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need a vision. Very good. I've, it's great, great that you're working with me this morning. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who, who heeds wisdom's instruction. Another translation says, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no divine guidance. The message translation says, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What an amazing verse. My question this morning is, what's the vision for you and, and what's the vision in your life? And I think, you know, to have a vision is so key to living the life that Jesus wants us to live. And so for the church, you know, for many, many years, the vision is to transform the atmosphere of this city. But you know what? The church has never been a building. It's never carpets or bricks. Church is the people. And so this vision needs to become your vision. And you need to say to yourself, I want to transform the atmosphere of my city. And I really hope this morning I can encourage you to see that a bit more clearly, that the vision for the church is becoming your vision in your own life, in whatever God has called you to do and wherever you are on a day-to-day -day basis. Because the church is the people. And I think we need to start realizing that actually we are the church. Wherever we are, wherever we go, we are the church. You are probably the only Bible that your colleagues will ever read. You're probably the only church that your colleagues will ever get in touch with because we are the church. So I think, I think that is so important that you have a vision for your own life. I've read a great quote this week. It says, inspiration without change is wasted energy. <laughs> inspiration without challenge is wasted energy. So in other words, if we just cast a great vision and you're really inspired by that, but it doesn't challenge you to change your behavior, to change your lifestyle, to change your giving, to change your resources, to change your priorities. It doesn't change anybody. It's, it's wasted energy. And so I think it's really important if we really believe that the church is the hope of the world, that you understand, first of all, that we need a vision. We need a vision that is bigger than ourselves. And I think it's so exciting to see what you're doing in Derby and the people that you are touching And I think it's so exciting to, to see what other cities can do because of that. You know, you're a role model to other churches, to other cities with the way you build church. And I think that is so encouraging. All right, uh, before I go on, I just like to pray, if that's okay. Yeah, I forgot to do that. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. I just pray that you reveal to us this morning what you want to say to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and active. I thank you, God, that you are building your church. And I pray that um, this church will go from strength to strength. We pray that the best years are still ahead of us. We pray that you will give us something fresh this morning that will help us move forward. And we pray that Derby would play in the Premier League again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. We need to pray for our teams. <clears throat> It's not going well. Not going well in Cologne. Not, but you know, you know, God can do so many things. I, I didn't really grow up in church, so up to my 19th birthday, I didn't really have a concept of what church is supposed to look like. We grew up in a very conservative Baptist church, um, and I went there until the age of maybe 11, but I never really engaged with it. It never really spoke to me or helped me in my journey. And so when I was 11, I didn't go anymore until I was 19. So when I was 19, I knew that I needed to make a decision in my life to follow Jesus. 
And I did it, and I knew that the implications were that I had to reconnect to the church. And I had to reconnect to the body of Christ and to see how that is actually working within my life. So I, I went back to the church, and I had no history. I had no negative emotions about the church. I had no positive ones because <laughs> it never did anything for me. So after meeting Jesus, I knew that I'm entering a new relationship with the church. And that was really, you know, there was something really beautiful about it. Because walking into a church and becoming part of a church family is something really beautiful, I think. Really unique in many ways. And I met a lot of people now, since we moved back to Cologne, who, who join our church. And they have a lot of negative experience that they bring towards the church. Or that they have towards the church. And I'm... I'm just amazed by, by the fact how, how people come into our buildings and they have such a clear expectation what this place will look like or what the people in that place will, will be like. And I'm really challenged by that because in my heart, ever since we started in Cologne, my heart is to connect people with Jesus. You know, I want to see that people meet Jesus because he transforms lives. Not our buildings, not our sermons, not our worship, but Jesus transforms lives. And so I was always thinking, okay, how's, how come that, you know, church has such a negative, you know, uh, association in people's minds? You know, when you tell someone, I go to church, they never jump in the air and say, wow, amazing. You go to church, fantastic. Normally it's like, oh, dear, okay, great. Yeah, that's good for you. You know, God bless you. You know, that's fine. But I, I don't think, I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm not satisfied with that. <laughs> Because church isn't our idea. We didn't come up with this. Jesus came up with that. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. And I think, you know, this is really important to understand that we need to really fight for something that is really important to Jesus. And so we have an office in like a co-working space. So it's like a, a big building where there's lots of startup companies or entrepreneurs or whatever, and they all have a desk. And because we can't really afford a big office, We have a desk in there as well because someone said to us once, we are a startup as well in, in some sense by starting you know, from scratch. So we are in this place. And the great thing about this place is you meet lots of people that start businesses. And this is really inspiring to just you know, listen to their stories and what their vision and their, their heart is to, to kind of change the world with their company. And it's all about networking. So all the time you meet people. So what are you doing? So how are the numbers? You know, are you growing? You know, what's, you know last year's income and stuff like that. So it's really funny to be in there as a church <laughs> because we, we're not a company. You know, we are a church. And so people come to me, so what's your business? I was like, wow, business, you know, it's not really, not really business, you know. So, you know, you're growing, you know, what's the numbers like? I was like, wow, we're a church. Oh, okay. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I was with a friend at the coffee machine. That's kind of the meeting point of this house or the office block. And I was at this coffee machine with a friend and a guy came who we knew, who we knew was a really successful entrepreneur who has built a couple of companies and and he's just really you know a lot of people talk about him and and the stuff that he's doing and so my friend knew him and so we were sitting at this coffee machine and he said so Dom what do you do and I said well I'm a pastor I lead a church and you could see his face drop as if I just said I'm I'm a was a cannibal that you know wants to eat you for lunch or something You know, his face just dropped. And my friend who was sitting next to him, <laughs> who was standing next to us, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't bear the awkwardness of the situation. 
And you could see him like twitching and like, you know, he just couldn't handle it. So he jumped in and he said, oh, hang on a minute. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like any other church you've ever seen. You know, they have, they really care for, for, the, for the city and they have amazing services and the people are amazing. And I was like, hey, stop, stop, stop. You, you know, and, then, and then I turned to this guy and I said, this is how bad it's gotten. That my friends need to justify, you know, the church that I go to, to you, you know. And, and he was like, and then we just carried on and we had a normal conversation. But I was walking away from it and I was like, isn't it funny how people think it's a bad thing to go to church? Like this guy was just like, oh dear, he's going to church. Oh, brilliant. And I was like, come on, if this is, if this is what Jesus wants us to build, it has to be more exciting than this for the people around us. And I just really want to challenge you this morning to believe that we are not just a bunch of people that go to church. We are a bunch of people that becomes the church. And I really hope that you understand that because it changes everything. And I hope that we come to a place where people see the vision and, and what we're doing in our, in our cities and in our, in our churches that they cannot take away the fact that we are making a difference for our communities. And so we need a vision. And then the, the sentence continues, that is not about us. <laughs> that is not about us. And I want to jump into a text this morning to show you such an amazing example of what this, this force, this church, you know, can, can do in the world. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. It starts like this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We, are always, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing we, we need to understand here is that when God speaks to us through his word, it's never just mentioned, it's never just for you as an individual. It's always for us. God speaks to his church. And I think sometimes we take those promises out of the Bible and we make them about us, where they were written to us as a group of people, not to you as an individual. And I think this is really important to understand. It starts off here by saying, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. I love the fact that this letter was written by three people, not just by one. And I just think the power of team is just so key by building the church. You know, we are so much better together than alone. And I love the fact that Paul, who is the man, you know, he is the man. He changed the Roman Empire. He turned it upside down. He could have just said, this is my, my mission, my name. And I'm just going to put my name above it. But he included Silas and Timothy. And I think that's so powerful because Paul didn't have to do that. He was powerful enough to just say, it's just going to be me. It w you know, he, he, and you would think, like, wouldn't that diminish your story if you add a few more people in this? Wouldn't you want the story all about you? But Paul, Silas, and Timothy, I think this is so amazing that God can do what God can do in your life. It's so much smaller compared to what God can do through you if you're part of a team, if you're part of something bigger than yourself. And I think this is really important for us to understand. I love the fact that you had a, a big team night, I think last week or the week before, to celebrate teams and to celebrate that we're in this together. And I think this is so important to understand that we are so much better together. 
And so it's really, I think this is amazing that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing this. And so the powerful things that God wants to do in this world is not through me, but through us. And this is a mindset thing because we are very much concerned with our own greatness, with our own success, with our own abilities. But I think we really have to have a shift in our minds that says it's not about me, it's about us. And so when you read the Bible, it was written to us. As, as the church of Jesus. And so I think that makes a whole difference in the way we communicate it. You know, some, I mean, it's, it's quite challenging, but some of us are more concerned with our own greatness than we are with the greatness of us as a body. We might sit together, but it doesn't mean we walk together. And I think it's really important to understand as a church, you know, when we want to impact our cities and our communities, we are a group of people that doesn't just sit together, but we walk together. We, we share life together. You know, we are committed to one another. We are committed to living for something that is bigger than ourselves. And I think that God really honors that. He himself works within a really close relationship, the Trinity. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is a God of relationships. He has this, this you know, three persons that kind of work so intimate together. And maybe this is a model here that Paul is, is using to, to show that. That is, it's so much more when you work together. So don't isolate you. And so, <clears throat> and, I, and sometimes I feel this is a bit like outdated. It sounds a bit like old-fashioned to give yourself to something that is bigger than yourself. But I think it's, it's so exciting to see what God can do through us rather than just th through me. And so it doesn't mean we all have to become staff members here of DCC or we you know, all have to be employed. You can be a teacher or a doctor, an engineer, but we all need to be on the mission and realize that this is more than just my life and we are part of something bigger than ourselves. So on a Sunday, we don't judge the service by saying, what did I get of it? What did I get out of this today? But you can judge the service by saying, what did other people get out of this today? Because I was there. Do you see? It's a totally different mindset. And so all of a sudden, it changes from you to, to us. And you think, okay, who can I serve today? What, what difference can I make today with my giftings to actually build the church? And you become part of something that is bigger than yourselves. And God can use that to just change entire cities or nations, I think. And then it continues, to the church of the Thessalonians. To the church of the Thessalonians. To the church in Derby. Not just a few people within one room, but to the people of Derby. This church exists for the people of Derby, not for the people of Curzon Street or Chad or all the other areas that I can't remember. <laughs> but God is using this church for the city of Derby. And so I really believe with all my heart, the church needs to be a place that is going somewhere And everyone gets better because of it. Families get better. Communities get better. Relationships get better. Neighborhoods get better. Because the church is the most powerful force on this earth. Because Jesus said that he will build it. And so I just think sometimes, maybe the reason we haven't touched the world in the way we have is because we think, we, we think too small. We think too small. Because we think maybe about a certain people group, but... In, in, this, in this letter, Paul is not writing to a particular church, but to the church of the Thessalonians. And I just think 
sometimes that's it's just something we have to we have to change in our minds like when jesus was sending the people out uh, or when jesus was going back to heaven he said to the people that he was he was with you will be my witnesses in jerusalem samaria and to the ends of the earth in jerusalem samaria at the end of the earth he didn't say you will be my witness to joe and his family or to curzon street one to four He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, earth, of the earth. What an amazing sentence to hear from Jesus. And so the smallest unit that Jesus is using is a city. That's the smallest unit that he's using. So he's saying to us, to the, to the church in Derby, to the church of the Thessalonians. So the smallest unit that he, Jesus thinks is a city. And so sometimes I think we need to get a big, bigger picture and think, okay, what if we commit everything that we have to reaching 250,000 people in this city? Because actually we are a church of Derby. And everyone in this city should be impacted and touched by what you're doing here. And that means we have to maybe think beyond and try new things. But I think that's Jesus' smallest unit. And these people are our people. And this city is our city. And we've, sent, we've been sent not to one building, but to a city. And so I think that just is really exciting. So I think true meaning in life is found when you give yourself to something that is bigger than yourselves. It's not important how long you live, but how you live. Not the length of your life, but the degree of your devotion of the life that you have. So it's not about me, but about us. So we need a vision as the church that is not about us, but so that people can find faith, hope, and love. That's the sentence that I was writing down as I was preparing for this morning. In verse 3 it says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine a time where people can speak about the city of Derby and not think about Jesus? Wouldn't that be amazing that every time someone says Derby, straight away what, pe what people are thinking about is the way Jesus is touching the city. And you think, oh yeah, Derby, isn't that where you know, there's all this stuff going on in the communities where you know, Christians are really living out their faith and the whole city is changed because of that. I think that's amazing to pray for, that there will be a day where you cannot mention Derby without people having to think about Jesus. I pray that's the case for us in Cologne. I pray that's the case for you in Derby. Because God's limits are far beyond what we think sometimes. So it's, it's three, three things. It's for the, so that people can, can, uh, can find faith, hope, and love. Faith is the first one. Work by faith. If that what we do, this is important, if that what we do doesn't require the help of God, I think what we're doing is too small. Because then we can do it ourselves. And we think, yeah, we, we, can, we can make that work. But I, I really pray that in your own life and in the life of the church, that we are always in a situation where we think, God, we really need you to break through here because otherwise pff, we really have a problem. Because I, I believe that God reacts to faith. I really do. I'm amazed by the way that we've taken steps and risks. And it could have gone pear-shaped and we went to a bigger a bigger cinema, and I think, man, life is going to be so empty, but God has filled every single space that we've given him. And that's, that's just so unbelievable to me. 
that God reacts to our faith, to our risk, to our stepping out. So I want to encourage you in your own life, what are you living for at the moment? What's the vision in your life? And where can you maybe take a step that says, God, I really need you to, to come through here because otherwise I'm in big trouble. And whether it works or not, we don't know, but I think that God reacts to faith. You know, we, are going, we went to two services with five days notice. <laughs> so it was, it was chaos and it was a weird stretch but it's kind of worked, and now it's great. Now we like it, but initially it was man alive. You know, God, if you don't help us here, this is going to go against the wall, you know, or just not work at all. And so we just really had to try to trust God in this. Um, so when in your life do you need faith at the moment? Second, your labor prompted by love. Love, is, I think, is what makes all the difference. If you take love out of this book, it's just, it's just a moral guidebook. Love makes all the difference. This is all about love. It's one big love story about how people loves people so much that he gave himself. It's, it's all about love, people. And I think this is what we, motivates us to push ourselves beyond our comfort zone, that we would love people and love what God is doing. Psalm 69 verse 10 says, um, oh, I didn't actually write that down, did I? Have we got that on the screen now? Okay, let me look it up. It's uh, somewhere in the Bible, if you've got one. I think it's Old Testament, um, halfway through. So, 90, okay, that's, it's a big book, isn't it? 69, verse 10, it says, For the zeal of your house consumes me. For the zeal of your house consumes me. And I was just reading that this week and thought, what an amazing verse. The zeal for your house consumes me. I wonder where the zeal is sometimes <laughs> when it comes to God's house. How do you treat God's house? We know it's not a building, it's people. But how, how do you, what's your perspective of God's house when you come in here? Is that one of your boxes you want to tick in your weekly things to do? You know, does it really excite you to come on a Sunday morning? Are you like full of anticipation and expectation that God is going to do something great in people's lives? How do you, what's the zeal level in your life when it comes to God's house? Because I just think, you know, if we, if we don't develop some zeal in our lives, you know, not much is going to happen. Because I think it's the passion that will just really drive us forward into the communities in our cities. And so... I think, you know, sometimes it's the first thing we delete on our calendar. Okay, then I just stay home today. Well, I, I just think that's, that's just not good enough because if, if this is really the strongest force on this earth, if this is the most exciting community that changes and impacts our cities, I think it needs to have a really high priority in our lives. I, can, I, I give everything I have for it. I could do a lot of other things with my life, but I've given myself to it because I can see that this is the thing that will change our cities. It's not governments, it's not companies, but it's the church. And so I just wanted to encourage you and stir you up this morning to have a higher view of the church. It's the hope of the world, really. If you look into our world, it's a mess. And into our cities and communities, it's a big mess. And people are so desperate for faith, hope, and love. And we see that in Cologne. I can see that walking through Derby and other cities. And so the church is the answer to that. You know, this is the place where people can find healing and restoration and hope and a future encouragement and so i just wanted to encourage you really to 
be prompted by love for the church, for people, you know, and, and things will change. Things will always change. Music will change. Carpets will change. <clears throat> some of you think, oh, dear. Some of you think, oh, praise the Lord for that. You know, models will change. The way we do church will change. But the vision stays the same so that people find Jesus. Okay, let me be a bit controversial here. I stood up in, in front of my church last week, <laughs> and I said to them, you know, the vision for us is that people would find Jesus. And one way of doing that is to do Sunday morning services so that people have a chance to meet Jesus. If one day there's a better way than Sunday morning services for us to get people in touch with Jesus, we stop the Sunday morning service. Because that's not the vision. The service is, is the way we fulfill the vision. The vision is to transform the atmosphere of our city to connect, grow, serve. So we want to connect people to Jesus. So the room was silent. <laughs> and I was like, well, at the moment, it's still the best thing. We think strong Sunday morning services are a great way for people to find, to, to just get this first spark of getting to know Jesus. But it's not what we are in love in. We are in love with the fact that people need to find Jesus. We're not in love with the fact that we have a Sunday morning service or two services. So I just want you to change your perspective about how Maybe we treat the church because it's here so that people can find Jesus. And if there are better ways, then we change. Change is not a bad thing. We change all the time. You know, my, my wife has changed the whole house because it's autumn. You know, all these candles and flowers and brown and green colors. I'm like, dear me, you know, where's all, the, all this stuff coming from? Change is not bad. Sometimes the way we communicate change is probably quite bad. You know, so we have to work on that. But change in itself is not bad. We change our wardrobe. You know, we have the big coats out now because it's, you know, freezing outside. Um, so that's not a bad thing in itself. And I just would like to encourage you to just have a mindset that actually sees the church as the greatest force that is on this earth. Because this is not our home. We, don't, we, we, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. We are just here for a few years. I don't know how many years I have left, but this is not our home. So I think it's really important to have a perspective that goes beyond our life on this earth and say, okay, God, I'm part of something bigger than myself. This is an eternal kingdom. And some decisions that are being made, maybe even this morning, they have an effect for eternity. I mean, we struggle to think that far. I do anyway. But it goes far beyond this life. So the future is created by those who have the courage to step into the unknown. It's a quote I read this week. I thought this is great. The future is created by those who have the courage to step into the unknown. I want to encourage you this morning to step into the unknown. To try something new in your own life. You know, to take a step of faith as, as a family maybe. To give yourself to something that is bigger than yourself. And you will see that God will use that to change a neighborhood. To change an entire city. To change a country. And then lastly, endurance inspired by hope. Endurance inspired by hope. We will endure. You know, we will, we will be here, whatever happens. You know, if, if people go, we stay. If people come, we stay. We are committed to this. I've given my life to this, not because I couldn't do anything else, but because I just see the calling that is upon the church to change the world. So I think as believers, we need some grit. That's a good word, isn't it? We need some grit. We need some, you know, we just need some tenacity, I think. You know, to just keep going and to keep believing. Because this is, you know, the pictures are great and the numbers are great. But I tell you, it's a fight. 
It's not an easy ride. We are fighting for the lives of people in Cologne every week. And we can feel that fight in our family, whether it's sickness, whether it's difficulties, whether it's challenges. But it's not, it doesn't come for free, guys. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood. And so when you take new ground, when you try new things as a church, as the Hope Center, it doesn't come for free. There's a price attached to it because the enemy doesn't give away the land for free. And so it's so important for us to understand that we need to fight and we need to have grit and tenacity to just, you know, hold on when it's not easy, when it's challenging. And I think this is something we have to develop as a church and as individuals because it's too much at stake, guys. It's too much at stake. So, two questions for you to uh, consider. If not us, then who? And if not now, then when? If not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not us, guys, who, do we else, who else do we expect this <laughs> or expect someone to do this for us? And if not now, then when? I think God has positioned us quite strategically for such a time as this. You know, we live in this time now, 2017, in this place, in this city, to make a difference. And I think every one of you is uniquely gifted to make a difference where you are. And so I just want to encourage you to think about these two questions. If not us, then who? And if not now, then when? And I think this vision to transform the atmosphere of the city, I, I, I pray this morning that it would be written on your heart that you think, okay, I'm transforming the atmosphere of my city. I'm giving myself to something that is bigger than myself. And I just want to see people find to know Jesus because Jesus is so amazing. And people don't know that. They don't know how gracious and compassionate, how full of love and healing and power he is. They don't know it. We've been growing up maybe with this understanding, but people don't know it. We had a testimony time last week in our church, and I'm amazed that most of the testimonies said something like, the first time I walked into the church, the first four or five Sundays, I just cried all the way through. And I'm like, really? I didn't feel anything. Maybe that's because I'm German. But they were German as well, so that doesn't work. But <clears throat> I don't know. People don't know. They don't know how amazing Jesus is and how full of love. And oh, it's, It is just something that we can take so much for granted. But people don't know, guys. They don't know it. And so I think for us as the church who have found that love, received that grace, been healed by that healer, it's so important to have this vision that is not about us, but about other people in our city so that they can find hope, love, and faith. And I think this makes all the difference. So he died for, for this city, for, for, for Cologne, for this world, and I think we are God's strategy to bring healing to a broken world. The church is God's strategy. It's all Jesus is doing today. He's building his church everywhere, in the whole world, in small tribes, in caves in China, in, in big auditoriums in America, in, in amazing places like this in England. God is building his church. And I think this is the most exciting time to be alive because people are desperate for it. And so let's step up, church. Hebrews 13, verse 23, it's the verse I'm going to, the verse I'm going to close with. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So I would like to leave you with a challenge. Whether you are willing to leave everything behind 
and to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to come to your feet and I'm going to offer myself as someone to be used by you to change the atmosphere of this city. I'm going to lay aside my agendas, my priorities, my great dreams and aspirations, and I'm going to say, Lord, use me to make a difference in this community. So then when people talk about Derby, they think about you straight away. And I think this is possible. I really do. I think we can make this happen as the church because it's the hope of the world. And it's the thing that Jesus said that I'm going to give myself to. I will build this no matter what. Come whoever wants to and go whoever wants to. I will build my church. So let's just um, believe that it's the greatest movement that Jesus has started and it's still going on today. And I just think it's so exciting to see how Jesus transforms human hearts and then transforms our communities. So why don't we just stand and um, I would like to pray with you, if that's okay. And maybe, maybe you have been listening this morning and you are new. Maybe someone invited you and you are here for the very first time. Maybe just like the carpet is here, old and new, <laughs> this is what happens. It's a great example for how salvation works or how coming to know Jesus works because the Bible says that the old life is gone and the new life has become. And so maybe some of you are at this line and you've been at this line for a few times and maybe fear or doubt or whatever has, has held you back so far. But I would like to encourage you this morning to make a decision to step over and to say this morning I'm going to make a decision to lay my life down at the feet of Jesus and say, okay, here's my life. Do something with it. So maybe we can close our eyes just to make it a private moment between you and God. And I just would like to pray, or I, I just would like you to pray one sentence. Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray this in your heart right now. Because I think that's why he came, and that's why Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and that's why he resurrected from the dead. So that we can say, come and give me life. So Jesus, I, I give you my life. He cannot give you his life because, before you have given him your life. And so this morning, maybe for the very first time, you say, Jesus, I give you my life. And so God, we're just going to pray for everyone in here who maybe prayed that prayer for the very first time. And we just thank you, God, that you are a God of the impossible. And we give you our lives today, Jesus, afresh. We are so excited, God, to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves Thank you for the way you're touching this city through the work of this church. May it grow, God. May it flourish. May it prosper. May thousands of people come to know you, Jesus. May the nets are overflowing with fish, with people that don't know you, so that the nets are touring apart and we can't hold the people in. I pray that you enlarge our vision. Jesus, I just pray that you do something afresh in us. Lord, we thank you that we are the, your people. And so we pray this morning that you would build your church If not us, God, then who? And if not now, then when? So Jesus, we just thank you for your church. We thank you that it's not about us, but it's about what you are doing in our communities. And we just pray that we have a vision that is not about us, but about other people so that they would find faith, hope, and love. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a, a clap this morning.